Welcome to Overcome Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to talk with Dr. Emily Krinick. Dr. Emily is a physical therapist, but she was a soccer player on her senior year, and she had a ACL injury, which led her to completely miss her last uh, season playing soccer. We're going to talk about that injury, the recovery time, the mindset, and also her experience as a physical therapist dealing with patients with the same type of injury. So, great conversation. Stay right there. Welcome to Overcome Podcast, Dr. Emily Krenick. How are you doing? I'm pretty good today. Staying <laughs> Thank, inside thanks. with this cold weather. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for, for your time today. I know that uh, it's a Sunday, it's a, a snowing day in Texas. Um, yeah. So you, you could be sleeping, but you're here recording this. So thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm excited. All right, doctor. So to give a, a, a brief introduction, Dr. Emily, I met her um, during my rehab and... Uh, we were talking about uh, overcoming obstacles in physical therapy, and I found out that she was actually an athlete, uh, a soccer player, before um, entering the uh, physical therapy school. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Played uh, soccer at a D2 college out in West Texas A&M. And then what happened to you? Um, well, my senior year, I think it was the second conference game in, I ended up tearing my ACL senior year. And just, just to, I already know the story, but just to, to make it very clear to the audience, how it was, how, how did you do that? It was a, a very aggressive uh, tackle or most simple thing ever. <laughs> no, it, it. I wish that it was something I could blame on somebody else as much as I wanted it to be a tackle. I was one-on-one -on -one with the keeper in front of the goal. Someone has sent a through ball. I took a step with my left leg and just felt almost like I didn't have the big pop that most ACLs uh, you hear about, but mine just literally felt like if you were to take a piece of paper and just like rip it down the middle, mm -hmm kind of felt that in my knee and fell, kind of got up and I was like, oh, that was weird, but you're okay, you're good. Got up, took a step and fell kind of back down and I was like, okay, something's wrong. This is, this is different. Um, did, did, so did, did you leave out. the field immediately? Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I tried a couple of minutes, I tried to take some steps and then I kind, that's when I realized like, something's wrong. Um, trainers came out um, and walked me off the field, which is you know pretty standard if someone's down for more than a couple minutes. Trainers come out to check you out, make sure everything's good. They kind of took me to uh, one of the tables off the um, field and started doing all the tests. And this the whole time they're just like, okay, we're just doing all this for you know precautions. We just want to make sure, and they're not telling me anything. They're just like. We're gonna sit you out this game just in case. No one really ever confirmed it to me. Um, kind of like setting my hopes up and uh, put me in the big brace and everything. But still, at this point, I'm not playing. But I'm like, didn't tear it. Didn't tear my ACL. I'm fine. I'll be back practicing Monday. Um, and then found out they got me a doctor's appointment the next day um, at like 8 a.m. And again, I was like. They just want to get me in. They want to get me cleared so I can be playing this week. Well, um, but in between, in, in between the game and going back home, what, what did you do? Did you put ice? Were you able to walk, or you were you were yeah, completely isolated? Yeah, at that point, yeah, at that point, um, I was able to walk. But again, I was in the big like ACL brace from like your thigh to your ankle that you see. Mm. They had put me on that. I was icing. Um, and then we just rode the six-hour drive on the bus back, back to um, school. So, yeah. And then did you do an MRI to be certain that it was ACL? 
Yeah. So um, the next day, I went into the doctor, and again, he did all this. He did all the tests, and they scheduled an MRI right there. Um, but he was the first one to actually say the words. Like he did um, one of the big ACL tests, and he immediately he looked at me and he, he told me your ACL is gone. And but he was the first one to finally say the words out loud. And my trainer was in the room with me. He's the one that took me to the doctor and. Uh, the the doctor left and he kind of just looked at me and was like I knew the whole time but I didn't have the heart to tell you like I didn't want to be the one to ruin your senior year wow so he had known you know when we he was assessing me at you know the time of injury but no one was able to just flat out tell and me from that point uh until surgery how many days um, I actually waited about a month and a half till surgery oh, because, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not common, but, um, it was my senior year and the doctor, um, kind of was like, uh, telling me like, there's a small percentage, like a small percentage of people, um, are able to play without ACLs. They're able to get back into their sport and just daily activities without any issue. He's like... You know, I'm not saying this will happen to you, but there's a small chance. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was like, okay. But also the main thing we ended up waiting for surgery was because, um, I, like, it was my senior year and I wanted to still travel to all the games. I wanted to, um, I wanted to play my senior, my senior night. Right. And so, uh, in order to actually travel and to like step on the field, he told me I wouldn't be able, I couldn't have the surgery prior just because um, I would have had, you know, the open incision and everything mm -hmm. and he wouldn't have let me travel or um, do anything. So that was kind of the main, but, after I figured out I wasn't going to be able to play, um, that was my main thing waiting was so I could still go to every game and I could step on the field my senior night. Was it psychologically, was it good for you to do that, to actually go to the game and see people, uh, your friends playing and you be on the sideline? Because I interview a lot of people that said, well, I just wanted to be isolated. I didn't want to be around because I, I felt that uh, I didn't feel like being in the sideline. So I, I didn't want to go. So it looks like in your case, you actually wanted to be around. Yeah, and a big part of it was... Um I was I was a team captain my senior year, and so I felt, you know, then I, I felt like I needed to be there for my team. Mm, um, but also, I knew that if I like isolated myself, it would have made it a lot worse. Like if I would have just shut down and completely, because it was already hard enough that you know soccer was my life, and it was taken away from me in my my last year ever playing. Um, yeah. And it was definitely, it was hard. There were some, you know, some games I, we, we would, it would be a great game. We'd win and like, we'd get off the field, we'd go back to the locker room and it would just like immediately I would start crying like out of nowhere just because like everything hit me that like right. we had a great game, but like I wasn't on the field mm -hmm. scoring goals. I wasn't out there helping my team and just like being able, like or just watching and knowing like I couldn't step on the field. There were Definitely a lot of games that it just, it, it really hit me hard. But now looking back, like I couldn't imagine not going and just being there to like support my team as hard as it was for me mentally. Um, I had to be there for my team. But, uh, during those times that you felt this uh, and you suddenly start crying and everything, what really helped you to, to move on? Was the teammates or it was just your mindset? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, my my teammates, I had a really good support system. Um, everyone knew how hard it was for me, so everyone made a point to um, really include me um, and kind of, you know, make me feel like I had a part of the win. They were, they were really good about that. And um, my best friend, she was like my, like my roommate at the time, she you know, knows me so well. So she knew exactly what we need, like what, if I was having a bad day and she could tell I was down, uh, she'd tell me to get in the car and go get, like we're getting ice cream. Like she, I, I had a really good support system. Um, my family wasn't around, but they they were great, even though they were seven hours away. 
Um, so I, I had a lot of good people on my side to kind of keep my spirits up. That's great. I think that having a support system is very important. But I, I believe, uh, because that happened to me and from the people that I interviewed, they had the same similarity. Um, there were there were some days that uh, I just wanted to isolate it and, and don't talk to anyone. Uh, and Absolutely. and I, I, yeah. I think you and had that, those days too, right? Yeah, and I think sometimes you kind of need those days um, because it, it does it, you know, it's you know you're an athlete you're you know your big a part of you is taken and i th i think you not, you need to kind of sit th sit there on it and kind of take it in or you're not going to move on and get past it you kind of got to uh sit there and hurt for a little bit as as you know not fun that is yeah. you you you've got to i think just to fully move on and soak it in and now comes one of the most interesting uh twists um uh, in your career because then you started right away you started physical therapy school and uh, mm -hmm. looks like you were not really a good patient doing the exercise that you're supposed to do <laughs> yeah yeah it is you know it's it's funny being on this side now um, but yeah I uh, when I got back I because I ended up graduating like weeks after I tore my after I had the surgery went back home so I started PT back um, back home and I was not a great patient I hated it I did not push myself um, and I ended up kind of just stopping midway through um, I never I never got to the point where I was with my PT like running and doing the agility and stuff um, he got me back to like jogging and doing some little jumping but then after that i was kind of like you know i have nothing that so you you were you were never officially discharged <laughs> by your physical therapist yeah i think that yeah i think i was one of the ones that just kind of stopped going and <laughs> never to, like never called them back or anything which is terrible um now looking did, back did, did this um, uh drive you to go to pt school or you already had in mind that you were going to that school I actually um, had already, before all this happened, I had already applied to PT school. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so, yeah, that was already kind of the plan. Um, and I actually, I had my interview a week after my surgery. So I kind of hobbled in there on crutches and wow. into my PT interview. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, amazing from the perspective that you were experiencing something that later on would be your career. Uh, because I'm pretty sure that you already yeah. treat a lot of people with ACL problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I think kind of going through the experience has, you know, made me love treating um, ACL patients. Um, but also, like, I... I feel like I can connect mm -hmm. a little bit more just because I, you know, I know the up and down struggles. And so um, I definitely feel like I can relate to them, which, you know, helps kind of reach them, um, especially on the bad days. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, during the, um, the PT school, one thing that we talk about as well is uh, the psychological aspect uh, of uh, rehab. Do you also cover, do you also have classes around that? Uh, or is more mechanics and physiology? Um, yeah, we had we had one class um, kind of like on the mental um, psychological aspect of uh, just general. It was a general um, class. We, we never had like a injury specific mm. one, which would have now you know out of school and everything. Like you don't you don't realize in how much patients mental game kind of plays into their uh, yeah. process. I think it's their, very important. Uh, I think uh, what I've noticed is that if you go to a rehab with the right mindset uh, and, and with uh, mental strength, it helps so much during the, the, the whole recovery. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you, you definitely can be your own worst enemy. Like if your mind's not right, if you've got the negative attitude, your rehab is not gonna, and your return is not gonna be what it you know should be or what you want it to be. If you have that 
um, negative look. But, you know, you see these people who come in so motivated and so hyped up. They're the ones that get out quick and get back to what they really want to be doing. So that that mental that mental strength is huge. And have you experienced the same uh, uh, this type of pattern with your own patients? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, especially especially with athletes, you you have this big up and down um, process with them and. Um, and I think, you know, and that's where, you know, education comes in. Like, you've just got to constantly educate how important your mind is. Yep. Um, that's something that I, I I appreciate a lot. I really didn't have that much visibility into the physical therapy. Um, I always lift weight, and so I always like it to lift heavy. And not being able to um, grab marbles with my foot was extremely... <laughs> uh traumatic yeah. um and i was like wow how is that and uh doing some so simple exercise made a huge difference so today i appreciate way more than in the past for sure yeah now um going through this whole experience of having the acl yourself and then becoming a physical therapist what the Dr. Emily would say to the soccer player Emily uh, to do differently? Oh man, <laughs> a whole lot. I definitely would have told myself to not, not quit PT. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I probably would have just had, had the more, more um, talks with myself, just pumping myself up and motivating myself versus um, putting myself down. I, I kind of went through a dark, um, dark time through it all. Um, and I just, I was just so negative. I, you know, it just felt like I had nothing to get back to and nothing to work for. And so definitely, definitely would have had talks about that with myself. Yeah. yeah I, I fully understand. I fully understand that. Did you have support from your coach as well? Uh, during those, at that, that time? N not as, not as much as I would like. Would have, yeah, yeah, it, and and I think that kind of also was hard. Um, I had I had a really good relationship with my coach, and um, he, when I got injured, like I just and I, I remember it so so well. Like I fell and I'm on the ground, and all I can hear is him yelling at me to get up, and I was fine. He was like, "Get up, you're fine. Get up, you're fine." And so I, I think that's also why I was like, no, you didn't tear your ACL. You're fine. Get up. Try to keep playing. Um, and when we, you know, got off the field and the trainers, um, you know, assessing me and checking me out and everything. And he's he's like, you're fine. Right. Like he, he kept just telling me you're fine. You're fine. And and I think that also, you know, I it was my senior year. I. Um, I was a key player. I start, you know, I was a, I started as a fr freshman, so like I was a key player to the team, and I don't know if it was just him. Like, I need her on the field. Or did you what, Did you guys but, ever had a discussion after you get uh, the the final confirmation that it was ACL? Yeah, I. Um, it was like at that first practice back after my doctor's appointment. Um, the, he, he was really close, um, with our team doctor, they were friends, um, and like played soccer together and everything. And so he shot him a text, at, like, you know, right during my, um, appointment, my, the doctor texted my coach and was like, yeah, it's torn. We're doing an MRI and everything. And, um, I, you know, that told us told to stay in the brace and, you know, it was, you know, official and, um, that day at practice he came up to me and he was like well so it's really torn and i was like yeah and he just walked away and that was wow. really he didn't even say uh, i'm sorry for not believing or something nope oh, wow nope it's, yeah so it was yeah it was it was hard not to have him and there and i think he kind of came around um later in the season you know when he did see um how hard it was for me at games you, you know when he saw me upset mm -hmm. and everything and i i remember at one point he finally came up and I, he hugged me he just he didn't say anything but he just 
a long hug and i think that was him like you know that that was him saying i'm sorry wow. why is it so hard to people say yeah. i'm sorry i don't understand that <laughs> uh yeah i, I know <laughs> <laughs> now with the acl what is the usual usual uh time to recover is it like six months five months three months it's it's about six to nine wow, months. Wow, nine it, months. Research now is kind of six is kind of on the early, early side. Um, they're, you know, kind of pushing it out. Um, kind of that eight month year mark is Should when... Should be fully functional, uh, playing games again and all that. Yeah. Before, before yeah. that, you do not recommend even uh, training at all? Um, no, you can definitely train. Um, it's just kind of that, especially like with contact sports. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, and, and confidence. A lot of people don't have their confidence back at that time frame. And if you, you know, if you don't have the confidence and the strength, then you're, you're putting yourself at risk, at like retail. So Oh, so y your concern is more that you can retear. So mm -hmm. it just for like yeah. five months is not completely healed. No. Interesting. No. Yeah, it, it's it's a long, it's a long healing process. Yeah, I mean, if you if you had a problem like this in the beginning of the season, the whole season is gone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now. Well, yeah, most people sit out a year. Wow. I didn't know it was that bad uh, the whole year. Um, but for the physical therapy, uh, people are back to, for example, jogging after how many months? 16 weeks is when we kind of start like straight playing uh, jogging. No, 16 weeks post-surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With, uh, with your experience nowadays, how long have you been on, on this field? Um, about two years now. With your uh, current experience uh, with uh, with patients that are evolving, uh, do you also believe that this average time to recover it will always also depends on each person? Uh, because some people will push harder, some people will, you know, just have a faster healing system and all. Yeah, definitely. Um, every human body is different. Some people he heal quicker than others. And that's, you know, it also kind of depends on if there's any um, like previous like or injury, if there's any like core morbidities um, that plays uh, effect a lot. And then also back to the mental, like people who are mo more motivated um, and positive are gonna work harder not only in PT, but outside of PT versus those who kind of have that more negative aspect mm -hmm. that they're not pushing themselves and most likely they're not doing anything outside of therapy. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see those kind of take a little bit longer. Do you think the diet also plays a role in the healing process? Yeah, nutrition is huge in tissue healing. It's huge. What would be some best practices that you would recommend? Uh, like nutrition yeah. wise, uh, a lot of lot of hydrate hydration, a lot of protein, um, and veggies. Kind of just those those good. And diet, what to, what to um, completely stay away? <laughs> what? What to completely stay away? What would be the the things that you say? Well, during this healing process, you should stay away of those things. I think all of like the like high like high fatty sugary um you know all the good things that are bad for you i, I heard that um, alcohol think, is know, also bad for healing is that true yeah yeah it's not the greatest <laughs> yeah yeah because uh but. i i'm i do not drink uh, that much to be honest but during uh, mm -hmm. uh new year's eve i i i drank a little bit and i noticed that the next day mm -hmm. my foot was swelling more um uh, it was yeah. interesting because it was not that that way uh during you know for the most part uh usually it's it's very swelling at night uh after standing and doing exercise the whole day which is expected but not really waking up with the foot swelling and and i noticed that 
uh, on New Year, from New Year's Eve to, to New Year's Day, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. You don't realize, you know, kind of what you put in your body is gonna affect. Um, yeah, uh, affects everything. Yeah, it affects everything. Uh, and and I've been way more aware about this with the whole uh, physical therapy uh, and everything that uh, we we do at at the rehab. Um, little adjustments that makes make really a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So besides the ACL, what is the other common uh, rehab uh, that you treat uh, patients at, at, the, at the facility that you work for? Um, we see a lot of um, post-ops. So we see a lot of uh, uh, shoulder, like rotator cuff, um, a lot of hip, like knee, shoulder, hip replacements. Um, There's a lot of, and a lot foot, of foot injury foot. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we do see a lot of foot and ankle, whether that's, you know, plantar fasciitis, um, uh, just like little surgeries, bunionectomies, so. What would you uh, agree that foot is one of the hardest parts of the body to heal uh, because of, uh, you know, all the gravity that is pushing everything down and... Uh, I was talking to to doctor, um, and he said, "Well, some people stay with the foot swelling after surgery for the for a whole year, just because it takes long time to, you know, to your body readjust to that swelling." Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just um, in you know my experience, it's the foot and ankle. It, it can be hard, um, especially once uh, the patient, if they were non weight bearing for. A long time and then kind of getting them back into those weight bearing like it just stays inflamed just because you're putting your body weight through it you're walking on it you're putting so much force that you hadn't in so long and I mean you're you are always on your feet um, and so yeah you see a longer um, time frame with those just what which what other what I've experienced so yeah, far? Yeah, because some friends uh, that I know they had uh, a knee injury, and it seems like way less complicated to deal with uh, from a, on a long term perspective uh, because the swelling is not really that much. Uh, is is more yeah. the stabilization, I think. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. Knees don't. And, and it's all, everyone, everyone's different again, back to, you know, everybody's different, but some people swell, some people don't. Um, but in my experience, I just feel like the foot just wants to stay swollen so much longer than, you know, what, what someone comes out of a, a knee surgery. One of the things that uh, I am also learning through this this rehab is other alternatives on top of the traditional physical therapy. And we talked about this the other day at the clinic. Uh, dry needling is one. Uh, and, and you are certified on dry needling. So what is the really the rationale behind the dry needling and why is, uh, is it good to introduce the dry needling during the treatment? Yeah, um, dry needling is something I just recently uh, became certified in, and uh, there's just a lot of science about um, you know causing some microtrauma to that area will help bring um, blood flow to that area to help promote the tissue healing, and um, there's even um, some literature on how it can uh, change like pain receptors, mm -hmm. like the signals up to the brain. So it's been it's, re it's really cool. I've um, Again, it's something kind of new, and I've I've got a couple of patients I'm doing on, and and I'm seeing some good uh, results with it. It's cool. And the needle is basically the same needle as acupuncture, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think you I yeah, think super, you told me that super. it goes a little bit deeper. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, may, most acupuncture kind of stays superficial, just in, kind of in the skin. Uh, with dry needling, we go deeper into tissue we can go down to bone you go into the muscle belly or tendon wow yeah that's yeah. that hurts more i think <laughs> <laughs> is your is, do you, you said that you have a couple of patients uh, doing dry needling 
-hmm. Usually what? Once a week, twice a week? Usually if they can tolerate it twice a week. And and, and, and and sometimes I've kind of with the very first one, it t they tend to be s pretty sore after. And so sometimes I just do it like the that first time we just or that first week we do it. Um, their next session is going to just be a regular um, physical therapy session. We won't needle or anything. We'll just do our usual um, treatment and then we'll try it again maybe twice that next week. But then but. It, it, some people come in and they're like, oh, I was sore for a day. I'm fine. Let's try it again. So trying to just depends on how the body reacts to it. And you've doing this in which part of the body so far? I've done shoulder, neck, and um, kind of the base of the skull, a hamstring, and a foot. Well, and the foot, I think, is really sensitive because uh, there is not a whole lot of skin there. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely more sensitive uh, area. Definitely, there there are some spots that don't feel great on yeah. the foot. I think that I'm so uh, pain adverse right now after the the whole process that I'm trying. I really try to avoid needles uh, in, in my foot. Uh, uh, I went to a follow up with my doctor. Um, and he and I told him that uh, sometimes I have some shock, and he said, "Well, this is, seems to be uh, some nerves that are not behaving well. If you want, we can give an injection of steroids to calm them down." I said, "Well, not really. I don't want any injection right now. Let's leave as is, because I don't want anything on my foot anymore. It was very traumatic. Everything." Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And sometimes, I mean, it, it just it takes. You know, you your injury was a, a pretty traumatic injury to that to that foot um the injury itself is a trauma and then the surgery is another trauma to all those tissues on top of it and so sometimes you kind of just got to sit back and let it calm down and heal from you know that big trauma it went through yeah. and sometimes it takes a lot longer than you want it to it, it it does it does that's for sure uh i'm i'm really Happy just for the fact that I'm already walk and and me able to to exercise. There is a lot of things that I still not able to do, uh, but it's as mm -hmm. you said, it's a process. It takes time, and you just gotta really need to be patient. Yeah, yep. Patience is huge. It is. It is huge. Um, well, going back to to your school years, did you uh, do any type of internship uh, when it was close to to the graduation time uh, in any clinic? Yeah, so um, about, I think the like last year we had clinicals. So I went to th three different uh, long-term clinicals, all in different settings that last year of PT school before we graduated. And you were basically working eight hours a day on, the, on those places, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Full, uh, full days. Yeah. A full kind of like 40-hour week. There is, uh, after you graduate, can you uh, do some sort of specialization in, in certain areas of your body or is like PT in general for the whole body and you cannot really specialize? Yeah, no, there's definitely um, a lot of uh, specialty certifications that you can get after um, you get the, the, doctor, the doctorate and pass the boards. And then after that, you can go into specific um, specialties. Um, and that's, you know, there's pediatrics, um, orthopedics, geriatrics, neuro. Um, there's a lot of different areas that you can kind of specialize in. I mean, we are talking about at least seven years between uh, core bachelor plus PT, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. probably yeah. a couple yeah. more uh, if you go to some sort of certification or this is, it can be done in one year. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, you do your, like your four years of undergrad and then PT school is um, around three years and then, um, I know that like the there's fellowships that you can do after you graduate, and um, those those kind of just depend um, those time frames. But I think those are usually around a year. I could be wrong, but um, with those you can still uh, you can still be mm -hmm. working. 
you just kind of do on the side. Um, the mm -hmm. yeah. And what about those? Uh, because I've seen that on the clinic, uh, other alternatives or more advanced treatment. For example, I've seen that they have like laser treatment. Um, do you have any knowledge on how that treatment works? Have you done any any laser treatment? Yeah, yeah, we have a um, a class four laser in our clinic that we've um, probably had for about a year now, uh, maybe a little more, um, and that is kind of the same concept um, modality wise of um, encouraging blood flow to the area to help promote uh, the tissue healing. And that kind of goes just down, the, the laser goes down into like the cellular um, levels, kind of heating up the ATP um, to like recruit blood flow and everything to the area. But this is not only to promote healing of the, the tissue itself, but also for the bone? Yeah, it can. But they got to be cl class mm -hmm. four uh, to achieve that, right? I believe so. Yeah, because there are some lasers that you can even buy at Amazon. I, I actually bought one, but I'm yeah. not sure. I don't think it is class four. Because, because class yeah. four is like more professional, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all all all, yeah, all those alternatives are are interesting, uh, and and nowadays they are very accessible. As I said, I got this laser at Amazon. Um, dry needling is something that most of the the places doesn't even need to be a PT specialized place. They do it. I, I know some facilities here that they do. They have cryotherapy. They have dry needling, right? Uh, because I think it only requires mm -hmm. you to have a certification. It doesn't really require you to be uh, PT graduated. Right. Um, yeah. With the dry needling, I know that you um, they kind of limit it on your like your background. But I know like chiropractors, other like OT and speech therapy, um, they are they can get certified in dry needling as well. MDs. Um, oh, so there, there is a requirement believe, uh, on, on your... I believe that you have to, yeah, you have to have, like, a certain background and um, degree. I don't, I don't think that you could, like, um, just somebody, like, random off the street. Mm. I think you have to kind of have, like, a medical... Background. Um, degree. Yeah. Awesome. Doctor, um, going back to um, this, uh, the rehab phase, if you would uh, enumerate uh, the top three things that you believe are important during the rehab uh, from the patient perspective, uh, what would you say to, to a patient? If you do those three things, the likelihood that you're going to improve faster is better than if you don't do it. Yeah, um, definitely one of the, you know, top is just like participation. Um, I, one of the hardest things uh, is getting people on board about doing home exercise programs, Ex you know, especially when they're in pain, you know, they have a hard enough time coming in to you um, and you, you send them home with all these exercises and if, you know, if you're not doing the work outside of the clinic, that, that's going to have a huge, huge effect. You know, with PT, you see maybe them, you know, two hours out of the week, you have two sessions that are 45 minutes to an hour. That's like, you know, two hours, maybe three hours out of their week that, you know, that's not efficient to get through, you know, especially if it's a, you know, major injury or surgical. So just, participation in general is huge um again going back to your mental like your mental game and mindset you've got to stay positive you got to be positive um that's huge and i would say the last one most important i would um, say nutrition yeah, I think yeah. nutrition is, plays a big I, role I, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. That that is it, it's huge. Now go go on the, on your second advice, which is, per, I mean, on the first advice, which is really performing the homework. 
uh, be committed to execute the homework. What is your take when you are doing that homework like every day, but there are days that you are more sore? Do you go through that soreness and just execute? Or do you believe that if you are too sore, you just skip and don't do that that day? I, I'm a huge, like, I want my patients sore. <laughs> I want them sore after every session. If you're not sore, we didn't work hard enough. And I'm going to ramp it up. Um, so soreness is never... It's, it's not a bad thing unless, you know, it, it, you're so sore, you know, it's gone past three days and you just, you don't feel any better than maybe we overdid it. But my, the big thing I um, communicate with my patients uh, with, you know, what to push through and not, we kind of talk about like pain levels and scales. And I kind of go through like one or, you know, zero through 10, 10 being take me to the emergency room right now. And I always say if, if you're getting to that like five, six out of 10 pain, that's when I don't want you to push through anything. I'm, you know, I'm okay if it's under that five, but if we're getting above a five, we're, we're not doing any good. Okay. Interesting because yeah, there are some days that uh, I, I have way more soreness than the other. Now I always wonder, if should I should I push through that soreness uh, because it, it is what it is, you know, or should I take a day off uh, and and wait uh, to not have, to not be that sore, right? Yeah, and I mean soreness soreness is you know muscle soreness is good. That means that you know you're you're building the muscle, like you're you're making those micro traumas to that muscle, and you're building. Um, but a lot of people have a hard time between like, you know, is this just muscle soreness or is this pain? And there's a yeah. lot of pain education that you have to go through with patients. They feel something, they think it's bad, they think it's pain, but really it's just their, you know, muscle soreness. And so there's a lot of education on um, types of pain and you know what they're feeling and what's good to feel and what's bad to feel yeah it, it, but it is hard to to differentiate sometimes between that uh, muscle soreness and the injury itself uh if it is something that it is causing to get worse you know or it's just muscle soreness yeah. and i'm very aware of my body to understand what is soreness but when it comes to that location since i still have uh, some mm -hmm. plates i still have and i'm gonna have forever those plates there i sometimes right. don't know is this because of those plates it's very really hard sometimes to differentiate yeah no it, it definitely it, it definitely is hard to decipher at times um and especially you know like when there is an injury and you go through that whole process and and even surgery, like there's always just that fear of re-injury. You feel something at that site and there's always just that fear of like, am I doing something mm -hmm. wrong? Did I just undo everything the doctor just did? And so, um, was a, how, yeah, a lot of- How was your, how was your comeback to soccer after surgery? Did you feel extremely confident? You went all in? Definitely not. Um, <laughs> I, and, and, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, am I glad it happened my senior year where I, you know, didn't, I, I didn't have to go back to a competitive level. Cause that I think would have been, you know, just terrifying for me. Um, but then again, you know, the other side of like, it took my last year ever playing, but, um, luckily I got back to playing just like for fun. Um, being in PT school, uh, there was a group of us that st did an intramural team. We had like PT Olympics. We, so I joined that soccer team. Um, and definitely that, that first game back, I was very timid, but luckily it was, you know, just a fun, low-level game. There, you know, wasn't a lot of, you know, there were no high stakes or anything. And so I was able to kind of get back into it at my own speed, which definitely helped build my confidence. So no big, ta no big tackle or nothing that you were like, oh. No, and, and, and that was just, I mean, 
I was like, if I saw someone coming at me, I just would stop because there was fear. Like, oh my gosh, if someone touches my knee, like, am I just going to, you know, am I going to re-tear it? Um, and so I was able to, um, kind of play that way. Um, if I saw someone coming, I just stopped. And then I slowly, once I got, you know, back into it and got more confident with it, uh, I, I kind of got back to my full, Oh, I play. I can. I can go play a game and not think about it. Yeah, it's interesting because I I heard the other day. I, I'm not sure if it was in an audible or I read in an article that if you go to a game or, or or to a competition and thinking about not getting injury, that's usually when you can. <laughs> that's usually when you get injury. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like going in um, apprehensive you're putting yourself at risk because you're changing the way you do things. You're changing your mechanics probably for the worse. And you, you're putting yourself at a higher risk of re-injury, which is why, um, it, you know, especially with athletes and not return to sport. Like I just drive, drive home with confidence, like, and, and it, especially like getting back like when I we're getting back into jumping for the first time and I know that they can jump onto a 12 inch box but you know I'm, I'm sitting there watching you know you can just see it in their eyes and they're they're just you know in their mind and I'll sit there and I'm like okay I can tell you're not ready for this let's go back to the 10 inch or you know whatever we were just on like I'm not gonna make like when I can see a patient's not confident I'm not gonna and let them do that task until in their mind they think they can hmm. so you do not really push saying you can do it you you rather say well you're not ready let's uh, let's back down i mean and that there's there's times when you when you push and then there, there's times you don't um and and this i kind of had this specific thing happen with one of my young acls a couple weeks ago uh she plays volleyball and we have gotten into like single leg jumping and we, you know, we're jumping onto a step and she was doing great and I like increased it. And I, I knew she could, she was clearing, you know, the first box, mm -hmm. you know, by a foot. So I know she's going to make this, but she sat there and just, you know, couldn't even take our eyes off of her foot. And at that, that point, like, I'm not going to have her do something and go kind of half halfway yep. into it and and hurt and cause it, right. you know, something in the clinic there. Um, so what did you say to her? You said like, let's stop. Yeah. Yeah. I sat there and I was like, okay, like we're not ready for this. Let's go back to, we're going to do, you know, 10 more here. And, but then, you know, I, I'm constantly talking talking to these types of patients that you're in their head or they're not confident you've you've got to build them up um because they're not you know they're not doing they're just constantly putting themselves down so you have got to constantly build them up and we sat there and i put a mirror in front of her and i showed her i was like watch how high you're jumping over this step and as soon as i showed her that and i told her i am confident in you i know you're gonna do this we went, she's like, she finally, she was like five minutes later, she was like, all right, I want to try it. I want to try it before I go today. And I was like, okay. And she did and it. Did awesome. It. She awesome. cleared it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and this is one of the things that I like uh, about that rehab facility is that you start working with one physical therapist and you stay with that physical therapist the whole time. I, I really don't like that place that every time you go is someone else different. Uh, because yeah. you really don't build that rapport and, and the, the, the exactly. doctor does not see your evolution. Uh, one thing is mm -hmm. you read uh, on, on the notes about someone's evolution. The other thing is you experience every time that this person is there, how that person right. has evolved. I think it's extremely important, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Like, and, and just having that, like, that relationship with that patient, like you, you need them to trust mm -hmm. you. Um, and so when you're, you're getting switched around to, you, you know, it's, it's hard to stay consistent and, you know, it just, you, you feel like you're being bounced around and no one knows your story and, um, or where you're at. Um, so yeah, that, that is huge. And that is something that, yeah, at our clinic, like if, 
at most you'll see you'll stick just to right. two um, different PTs if if you're not able to just stick with the one. Now that's huge. I think that's super important to to uh, see the the evolution and also for you not having to tell the, your story many times. It, it, it almost feels like you are yeah. repeating yourself. Is uh, that you feel like people don't care. So that's uh, very important as well. Uh, it plays a big role. I was always very skeptical with uh, physical therapy until I started this one on that place. Uh, and, and most likely because of previous experience that friends of mine told me uh, about uh, going to a place where they were getting switched every time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it happens, sadly. I've, you know, I've, I've had patients come in and say, like, immediately, like, they're like, look, I, you know, I've had a bad experience. Like, I don't want to be here. This, and you know, because they were bounced around or the PT would never see them. They were just thrown to a technician and, and they, yeah, you just, you feel like your PT doesn't mm -hmm. care and it, that should, that should never happen. The PT should be you know their eyes on and and again you shouldn't be bounced around between five different people and as you said in the beginning there is something very important about trust you gotta trust your pt and if you don't build that relationship over time how can you really trust yeah absolutely yeah it's it's really and then that's another thing that kind of affects people's like rehab if if you don't have that good rapport and relationship with your patient, those are the ones that are going to kind of just drop off and stop coming. And those are the ones that kind of just come in, keep their head down and don't push themselves. So I, I really try to make a good relationship with each of, each of my patients. Yep. Yep. And uh, you and Dr. Brian, uh, I think it's Brian, his name. I hope I didn't get it wrong. <laughs> Ryan, 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 yeah. Ryan, Dr. Ryan. <laughs> uh, you guys have been helping me a lot uh, for this process, so I truly appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Ryan is uh, fantastic, uh, and good thing that the, he knows about my injury. I mean, because Lynn's Frank is something very specific. Not a, lo a lot of people actually knows about Lynn's Frank injury. So when he told me that he treated Lynn's Frank injury in the past, I was very relieved because it's a very unique injury. If you don't know Lynn's Frank, then it's hard to measure how hard it is. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So, Dr. Emily, thank you very much uh, for your time. I, I truly appreciate, again, yeah. you taking the time. Uh, I think it was a great conversation, a very uh, good insights from you and, and from your experience, uh, not only as a doctor, but as an athlete as well. So, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Take care. Thank you for everything you do. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.